That old man. That's Mr. Malone, my husband. He live here too? Passed away. Fast or slow? What do you mean? Fast or slow? Fast is a damn sight better, I tell you that. What do you know about it? A lot more than you, lady. Hi, I'm Teddy Lester, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson with a reminder that Joyce Bullifant will join us at the top of the hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, with us via Zoom right now are Ernest Hardin Jr. and Jay Moriarty. Ernie played Marcus Henderson, George Jefferson's assistant, for two seasons on The Jeffersons, while Jay spent seven years as a staff writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons. Ernest Hardin Jr., Jay Moriarty, and Marla Gibbs will all appear at the next Hollywood show, which will take place at the Burbank Marriott Hotel, 2500 North Hollywood Way in Burbank, California, on Friday, April 15th, and Saturday, April 16th. For tickets and more information, hollywoodshow.com. Before we went to break, Ernie was sharing a few memories of working with Oscar winner Betty Davis in the 1980 CBS world premiere movie, White Mama. And another thing about her, and I don't mean to fill up the conversation because I know this is about the Jeremy. This is the Ernest show. Right? This is the Ernest <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the, 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 the thing about her, she was a giving actress. Mm-hmm. She had a contract where at 5 o'clock, hey, no matter what was happening, she was going home. And they kept me whenever. They didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> they, they worked me to 12 at night. So she was leaving one day. I remember she had her coat on. She was walking out. They had security with her because we were filming a lot of it downtown amongst the homeless, which was another thing that we had to see. It was amazing to see that. And I was doing a monologue, but I was doing it with the script girl. The script girl was giving me no feeling, nothing, you know, nothing. And so I just did the best I could. And she saw that as she was walking out. She said, hold it. No, no, it's not going to. She took her coat off and got with me and and did that scene with me till we got it right. She just said, hey, you know, it's about the product. It's about the work. And that's what she always put first. I admire that. Yeah, I've been told that you were not the first actor she did that for. I mean, she did that all the time. She would run lines for your close-up, even though she was not on camera. She felt because she knew that would be better for you. And mm-hmm, and exactly. so for all the legend about how difficult she could be and, you know, she did not suffer fools. But at, at the end of the day, when the lights were on, she saw herself as just another actor just like you and you were both on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. And she was even more so. She was about the work. She mm-hmm. wanted the work to be the best that it could be. And she knew that if I was reading with somebody who was giving me nothing, that, you know, I couldn't do my best job because, you know, I had nothing to play off of. So she was she was there. And I saw her, and she didn't have to do that. She did that a few times, but this was one particular time that I thought, hey, you're, you're home. You can go home now. We had a long day. We started early in the morning. As a matter of fact, it was so – it was a grueling shoot because I fell out and I got sick. I did. We had to stop for about three or four days. I fell out of my dressing room, and I was a young guy at the time. And I just it was it was so much. I don't know what happened, but I fell out, and 
they got me, they took me to this thing, and then they had to rearrange the schedule because I was one of the stars of this thing, and they had to shoot different things, and then they finally, but they took their time and got me back in about four days. So it was not that easy for her either, you know. She was 80, and I just admire her for always trying to do the work. That's one thing I learned from her at that early age and tried to uh, do that and everything I do. We're, we're talking to Ernest and Jay via Zoom. As it happens, over Ernest's shoulder, there's a little framed photo of Superman's insignia. I noticed, I'm going to ask about that because as part of my Ernest Harden Jr. dossier, I came across an interview of you, of you and you have to be posing in a Superman t-shirt. I take it you like Superman. Superman is important to you. You know what? I always liked Superman, not necessarily the white man flying through the air. No, just just the, the idea of Superman. But I liked, and not necessarily I'm the strongest yeah. or anything like that, but inner strength, mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe is super, to endure this business and to do what I've gone through. I've come, I'm a little brother from the hood. I was fortunate enough to have uh, two good parents who were educated. My father went to Morehouse College and my uh, mother went to Spelman. They gave me the right, the right upbringing yeah. to try to, to look forward and be strong. But there's, I like the fact that I came from a rough neighborhood. So I both, I had both sides of it. I wasn't afraid to deal with whatever I, else I had to do in New York, in the streets of New York. But yet I had the understanding that my parents and foundation gave me about trying to look and, and go as far as I could go. And matter of fact, some actors said to me back then in New York, said, wow, I stayed on park benches and everything. I had one ticket to go home to Detroit, but I didn't use it. And I had no money. And I remember just being on a park bench in New York, not knowing anybody. And I see couples walking hand in hand and I'm lonely. And I said, God, this is just terrible. I'm in this place, but I'm going to make it. But I just wonder, oh, what could be worse than this? And then it started raining. And I said, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is bad. But the thing is, it, that's what it means. It's, it, it's perseverance. And I always felt that symbol. I looked down and said, yeah, you know, going through some times uh, that are rough and I just feel, believe I can come out on top. That's well, what that means, just power. Well, power plus the fact, and you, you touched on this, both your parents emphasize that education is the key to upraise yourself. And so education and the ability that comes from, from, from education, that's also a superpower. Definitely. Uh, my father stressed it. Even though I wasn't the best student, I, well, you know, they influence you more than you know. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I didn't want, that's why I took on Ernest Hart Jr., just not say Ernest Hart, because I felt like I still did things my way, and sometimes they weren't always the way he agreed that I should be doing them. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to get him in trouble if I'm at the, if the police have uh, or anything. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to say junior. I'm going to put junior on there. And, uh, but my father, as a matter of fact, he was very stern. He had been a stint in the army. And that's how we got that house, uh, because he used the GI Bill. And the thing is, when I finally, like I started to get on my heat, 
he was the kind of guy who said, mm, yeah, yeah, let me see it. Let me see it. He didn't believe me. It was like he was from Missouri. And when I finally got out and started getting on television, it was just like he was my best fan. It was amazing. My father and mother, both. They were great. So hey, a lot of people, I mean, I'm telling you, the area that we grew up in turned into like a straight ghetto. People were firing, killing each other down the street, stealing cars. They were doing whatever. They were. It was rough. I had to fight, matter of fact, from, from uh, junior high and high school all the way, you know, getting home every night. Just It was just that kind of thing. When I got in the house, I got a whole nother thing. My sister is a PhD. Mm-hmm. My sister graduated in uh, from Northwestern in music, and she's done some conducting of the Chicago Symphony as well as the Detroit Symphony. So she's the real star of our family. Uh, Cheryl Harden is her name. And I'm just saying, so our parents influenced my sister and I but yet I had that, that, that street knowledge from just from where I lived. And um, and so I think the combination is pretty good. It served me well. Ernest Hardin Jr., Jay Moriarty, and Marla Gibbs will all appear at the next Hollywood show, which will take place at the Burbank Marriott Hotel, 2500 North Hollywood Way in Burbank, California, on Friday, April 15th and Saturday, April 16th. For tickets and more information, hollywoodshow.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. If you are a mental health professional or know someone who is, want to tell you about a special three-day retreat coming up in May that is specifically designed for those who work in the mental health field. It is called the Immersion, a weekend of wellness, and it takes place in Malibu, California, Friday, May 6th through Sunday, May 8th. To bridge traditional methods or Western thought with such Eastern modalities as the mystical, the metaphysical, and the spiritual, the Immersion, a Week in a Wellness Retreat offers mental health professionals a unique opportunity to heal their own minds and bodies while also integrating whatever ideas that they deem valuable into their existing mental health practice, all in a beautiful environment. For details and more information, email info at welltime.com, W-E-L-L-T-Y-M-E, info at welltime.com or if you're on Instagram you can follow welltime or you can follow Coda Life Goddess C-O-T-A Life Goddess on Instagram for details to come as well. Ernie, you have a couple of movies out right now. What can you tell us about them? I do. One is called Velvet Jesus and I'm starring in that and it's a really heavy subject matter about uh, abuse um, gay abuse actually this young son, stepson, who was my stepson, comes to confront me later on in life when he gets older and says that I abused him, but I say no. And so we go back with a lot of dialogue. And it's written from a guy when this is his real story. He was the young son in it. And his life was just heavy. He had got infected with HIV and all that. And he, he had gone down to where 150 pounds and now he's back to where he was at about 240. So it's like, he's a tall guy, big guy. And I can't imagine him ever being 150 pounds, but he said that was the stuff that he went through. So it was an enlightening, it was enlightening to me that because I took a step into that world to really understand it and understand a lot of them. And, And once I did, I felt great doing that movie because we started it as a play. And when we finish every night, 
people would have tears in their eyes. I mean, so many people could relate what, to what we were doing on the stage. And then this other one is called Bus Stop. It's a short movie, but uh, we've been winning uh, a lot of uh, uh, film festival awards. So far, we won six of them. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's a pretty powerful piece, too, about a father loses his son and he just doesn't know where he could find him. And, and I'm a policeman. And I'm about to retire, and then I ended up, I ended up finding them, and our families reunited. That's basically what it is. But the, they just say that I've been getting best actor awards and all that. As a matter of fact, the festivals that I got, I got a couple of best actor awards for uh, Velvet Jesus as well. Then I got one more coming out with I did with um, uh, Ed Asner, one of the last film that Ed Asner ever did, and I was fortunate enough to be in it. And um, and it's sort of unscripted, and we we talk about talk about a little bit about Ed, and then talk about also my friend Charlie Robinson, who just passed. He was a great actor, and I talk about him in the movie too, uh, and and how what he meant to me. We were best friends actually, and uh, and it was a little and the funny little story about Ed Asner and. There was a, a uh, the other guy who was such a comedian back then. He would talk about everybody like a, just talk about him. Do you know who I'm talking about? Rickles? Uh, Don Rickles. Okay, it was Don Rickles. Rickles. Not Don Rickles, Don Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> and so one day we were at a party, and his brother invited me to a party that I went to and came out, and all these old iconic actors were standing there, Charles Bronson and... We were all in the parking lot waiting for our cars. Don Rickles, Ed Asner, uh, Barbara McNair, you name it. It was all these people. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And and Ed Asner was talking to Don Rickles, and he was, they were going at it. I didn't know Ed Asner was that funny. Yeah. But Don Rickles would say something, and Ed Asner would say something. We were all in the parking lot just cracking up, you know. And uh, it was back and forth. And it seems like Don Rickles kind of ran out of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he looked back at me standing behind him. It was night. He said, boy, look at you. You are black, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. And Esther says, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Take him to the hospital. He blown a gasket. Take him to the hospital. And uh, he said, man, you so black, man. You could do night work at, in the army or something. You'd be great. And I'm like, oh, man, you know what? I'm not going to say a word back at Don Rickles. He said, do you you sweat ink, don't you? I said, oh, my gosh. The international was like, oh, my God. Everybody's rolling on the ground. That was such a funny night. And that was, that was a great experience I had with Ed Asner. I'd never met him before. We ended up having the same agent at one point, And we had a little talk. And then now I did this film. So I... I've been blessed. I've been blessed. Ernest Hardin Jr., Jay Moriarty, and Marla Gibbs will all appear at the next Hollywood show, which will take place at the Burbank Marriott Hotel, 2500 North Hollywood Way in Burbank, California, on Friday, April 15th, and Saturday, April 16th. For tickets and more information, hollywoodshow.com. Joyce Bullifant will join us when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, 
have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.